Did you know the word democracy appears nowhere in the U.S. Constitution or the Declaration of Independence? Well, there's a reason for that. See, the Founding Fathers, the framers of the U.S. Constitution, and fun fact, most of whom were younger than 40 years old or the equivalent age of today's millennials, didn't set out to establish a democracy per se, but rather a republic. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands... There are subtle but important differences between a democracy and a republic, and many of the underlying concepts aren't mutually exclusive. In other words, like all things political, it's complicated. In simple terms, the major difference between a democracy and a republic is that a republic is a form of government, whereas a democracy is an ideology that helps shape how a government is run. July 4, 1776, the Second Continental Congress declared the United States of America an independent nation, free from the rule of the British monarchy. It established a republic based on representative democracy, a government endowed by the people to choose knowledgeable leaders to represent their interests. If they don't like the way their leaders govern, they can vote them out of office, giving citizens the right to decide who retains power. According to Larry Diamond, a political sociologist from Stanford University, a government cannot be a true democracy unless its citizen base not only understands the political process, but engages with it. Unfortunately, today for many Americans, their concept of civic engagement is by voting, only voting. And that only happens on a national scale once every four years. But it's so much more than that. It's a dynamic, ever-changing, and ongoing process. One woman learned the meaning of democratic civic engagement by witnessing the journey of her immigrant family and how they embraced their duties as new American citizens. For another, it was a college experience, a broad range of social science studies, and a keen eye to the benefits of civic engagement. It's called Now What? And our story starts here. I'm Brooke Bechtold, and this is The Humble Brag. Maria Yuen's passion for civic engagement started at home. Having lived in both Texas and California, she grew up with parents who discussed democracy, civic involvement, and the importance of voting. Her dad's family fled communist China, a totalitarian, authoritarian, one-party state where a tiny fraction of the 1.4 billion people has the right to vote for the country's top brass. And even then, the candidates are predetermined. The vote is just a formality. So for Maria's parents, the freedom to participate in the electoral process was taken seriously and with pride. The value of civic duty was something that my parents instilled within me uh, by the act of voting themselves. But interestingly, they never talked about who they voted for. So they weren't partisan conversations and they weren't really about the candidates. They were about the act of voting and how voting is so important. And I think that uh, it's you know really the act of making your voice heard, of being informed, of holding our reps accountable. These are the values that I think I learned at a very young age. 
The belief in one's civic duty was a big part of Maria's upbringing. And while she participated in mock school elections, participated as a student lobbyist in college, and interned for a Texas politician, she didn't imagine a career in politics. A finance degree coupled with an MBA in social impact and entrepreneurship, she worked in corporate investment banking until 2016, when she took leave of absence to enter a campaign training program in Washington, D.C. When training ended, she was sent to Iowa, where there was an open seat in a swing district. It changed the course of her career. Shortly thereafter, she founded a nonprofit, nonpartisan web platform called Issue Voter, which allows users to follow their legislators, congressional bills, and issues they care about year round, not just during the election cycle. I read was when you guys kicked off in 2016, there was a quote that said, Okay, you voted. Now what? What are you going to do with this? And it's not just a one day decision. This is a a once around the sun decision. Where were you when this the the concept of it was sparked? I was a helping to manage a campaign in Iowa, a state known for its voter engagement. I learned two things. One is I learned that I did not necessarily want to work in politics because like most of us, I didn't necessarily agree with either party 100% of the time. Second, I saw that Campaigns, elections, politics completely overshadows what is also important, which is policy, the real work that gets done between elections that shapes our lives. And so I saw in Iowa, even though people were super engaged during the election season, asking really great questions, having access to the candidates, getting to meet the candidates in Iowa, just like everywhere else, it's easy to disengage during the off season. And it was so frustrating that it was so hard to answer what should be a simple question, which is, is my rep actually representing me? The best way to answer that question is to begin with, who is representing me? So, quick civics lesson. The United States has three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. The power of the executive branch is vested in the president. Presidential elections are held every four years, and there's a two-term limit. The judicial branch consists of the Supreme, Circuit, and District Courts. Judges are nominated by the President and confirmed by the Senate. The legislative branch is made up of the Congress, which is split into the Senate and the House of Representatives. The Senate is comprised of 100 senators, two for each state, and they serve for no less than six years. More if their constituents vote them back in. In contrast, the House has 435 congressmen and women who each serve two-year terms. The number of congressional representatives varies by state and are proportionate to the population. So, for example, New York has 27 representatives in the House for their 19 million residents, whereas Alaska has one for their 700,000 residents. And then there are the local elections, from governors to lieutenant governors, attorney generals, state congress, and so on, all the way down to local municipalities. That's a lot to follow. Do you know who's representing you? Do you know what issues they're voting on? How they vote? Are they truly representing what you value? And if not, how are you going to let them know? 
Do you have an education in public policy? I do not. So maybe that's another thing that maybe is somewhat interesting. I, but I did have experiences. So I was part of a student group way back in college where we introduced and passed a bill in the state legislature. So I got to see things from the constituent side and I started to understand that as constituents, when you do understand the legislative process, you really can get things done. I also interned for a rep where I got to see that every constituent contact is counted, yet so few reach out. I even have a funny story about that, which happened this year. I was visiting a rep before everything shut down due to COVID, and this um, staffer in charge of constituent contact shared with me the fact that the issue they were hearing the most about was bird-safe buildings, okay? Like, I know that none of us want birds to die, Right. So I'm not saying it's not an important issue, but honestly, I can guarantee if you were to do a general poll of Americans that bird safe buildings would not be in the top probably five issues that they list as most important. So that just goes to show that reps are hearing from the most well-organized voices, the most well-funded voices. They're not necessarily hearing from the majority of their constituents. Maria started Issue Voter, an interactive website that helps individuals, registered voters or not, know who their representatives are, what they're voting on, and how to keep them accountable. It's a resource for understanding congressional bills that are in committee or are up for a vote in both the Senate and the House. It also gives users the tools to contact their elected officials, to speak up. What we do is when people sign up, individuals opt into the issues that they care about, and then we'll only get alerts when an issue that they care about is up for vote in Congress. Um, And we summarize bills into layman's terms with points from both sides. Uh, I think that layman's terms is very important because as you know, bills are, they're legal documents. I mean, we're a nation built on laws. So I do think policy is important and that that's what can actually result in sustainable and systemic change, but they, um, they're written by lawyers, basically. So, so we, we, we translate them into layman's terms uh, with points from both sides. And then one click sends your opinion directly to the staffer in charge of constituent contact. And I think that's something unique in that it's different from signing just a general petition that's primarily used for list building for an organization. Right, right. The, um, and the alerts, I think, are important, too, because there are resources out there where you can research bills. There are resources out there where you can find your rep. There's different resources out there where you can contact your rep, but essentially we're bringing this all into one place and we're alerting you so that you know there's even a reason to contact them in the first place. People who are signing up for Issue Voter are not necessarily looking for a master's in public policy. They're looking for materials that they can actually do something with. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot out there. And and we also help people wade through it. Maria mentioned that an important job within the representative's offices is that of the legislative correspondents and the interns who handle the communications coming from constituents. That's us. They tally the issues and our opinions. They notice trends, and they communicate it back to the elected officials so that when it comes time for a vote, there's no guessing how we want them to represent us. Legislators are actually counting on their constituents to constructively tell them what they do and do not want. But most of us don't bother. 
Yeah, they might highlight issues. So they might highlight, for example, if there's a week where we're like, oh my gosh, we're getting so many calls about bird safe buildings, for example. Um, or if there's, you know, uh, anything, anything kind of unique or unusual, they might highlight that. They really want to know that you are an individual who has taken the time to really understand the bill on your own um, and send your opinion. They do make a distinction between individual contact and um, form letters. So often advocacy groups will use form letters where all you have to do is type in your address and then hit send. Um, they do receive those and you often will get a form letter back. So, so you, when you get a response, you feel like, oh, like it got through, they heard it. But they do sometimes ask, you know, a lot of the offices will ask, well, how many of these came through form letters? I'm not saying I agree with this, but unfortunately, I think that often form letters are discounted. I recently wrote to my senators about a proposed law that was coming up for a vote on the Senate floor, and I wanted to make sure that they knew how I wanted them to represent me. I emailed them my position, and just the other day I received a thank you email in my inbox. Dear Ms. Bechtold, thank you for contacting me about. I appreciate hearing from you. Please keep in touch. And I will. We'll be right back. Hey, humble braggers. We hope you're enjoying all of the humble brag stories. The team at Hum Productions works really hard to leverage our stories with the incredible and inspiring impact of our guests. Our shows are designed to highlight the extraordinary work of ordinary people, just like you and me. They need our help, and so we'd like to team up with you, our listeners. While podcasts are free to listen to, they aren't free to produce. So please consider donating to The Humble Brag, and 30% of your gift will be donated back to the episode charity of your choice. Check out the donate button on our website at www.humblehumblebragg.com. We're excited about continuing this storytelling and social responsibility journey with you. Thanks. Welsh Huggins is the Deputy Organizing Director of When We All Vote, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization whose mission is to increase participation in every election and to close the race and age voting gap by improving the culture around voting. It's not just about getting people to the polls. That's important, don't get me wrong, but what they want you to know is how our government works and why political engagement matters. So I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I currently live in Washington, D.C. I first started working in electoral politics and you know, civic engagement generally in 2016 during the presidential election. Um, I knew during that election that I wanted to you know, work for the things that were important to me and empower other people to be able to you know, engage in a similar way for the issues that are important to them. It's been really interesting and really exciting. What was your major in college? 
So I was a sociology major at Kenyon College. Um, I had a, a concentration in legal studies, um, which I think is part of where my interest came from. But that is also the beauty of the, the liberal arts uh, degree, um, that I can really do anything with it. Um, but I do think that it, you know, it helped me be, a, you know, a creative thinker and, and flexible. And um, it also, you know, I chose that major because in my sophomore year, I was having trouble picking. Voter registration trends just like everything else in our lives. There are periods of steady activity when it comes to civic engagement and voter registration. But as an election gets closer, we tend to get more involved. It's important to note that voting is a right and a privilege. It's not the law. Unfortunately, many people choose not to vote. The average voter turnout in the last four general elections was only about 55 percent, one of the lowest participation rates in countries within the developed world. That pales in comparison to countries like Turkey, Sweden, and Australia, who had anywhere from 81 to 89 percent voter participation. And U.S. primaries for state and local elections see far fewer voters than years when a presidential contest is on the ballot. Why is that? Some would argue that it's apathy based on voter fatigue or alienation. Perhaps they feel as if their vote has no influence. Or they don't like their choices. Some don't feel informed enough to vote. Or they encounter logistical barriers to voting. Others are confused about how the voting system works, or they're unaware how to register, or simply they miss the deadline. Maybe they're just simply too busy or overwhelmed in their personal lives to make the time to vote. New voter registrants tend to increase in election years. How do the 2020 voter registration numbers compare to 2016? So Target Smart, which is a you know an industry leader in political data targeting, um, recently announced that um, more than 5.6 million people who didn't vote in the 2016 election have already cast a ballot. Um, more than one million first-time voters have already cast a ballot in this election. Every election is an important election, um, but I know that a lot of first-time voters are just really excited to be able to be a part of this election and and to make their voice heard. Um, So we are seeing across the board, you know, just really, really high levels of engagement. In some states like Kentucky, Louisiana, Illinois and Hawaii, Election Day is a civic public holiday. Some states and local jurisdictions mandate that employers permit workers time off to vote. And in this unprecedented year of COVID, parts of Texas provided 24-hour polling stations, all in an effort to spark healthy civic engagement. For both new voters as well as for folks who've been voting their entire lives, there are a lot of questions here about how to vote, about how to vote safely, about how to vote by mail. One thing that we, um, that's a really important part of, um, you know, our work is for returning citizens, voters who were previously incarcerated um, or new voters, making those voting resources clear and accessible is just so, so important. You know, both in in my work at When Mail Vote and in previous, you know, positions, um, it's it's so important, like I've mentioned, to work to change the culture around voting. So, you know, we want, yes, we want eligible voters to register and take part in this year's election, but we want them to make a lifelong habit of voting and participating in our civic process. 
We want voting to be something that feels celebratory and exciting and empowering. While voting is an important piece of civic or political engagement, it's not all of it, not by a long shot. When building issue voter, Maria not only wanted users to fully understand and track bills, she wanted to fill a void that was missing from similar platforms. Uh, I think the most important thing that sets us apart is our personalized scorecard. So on Issue Voter, when you send your opinion to your rep, you will get an alert that says what your opinion was, how your rep voted, and when or and whether or not the bill passed. And not only that, but you will get a scorecard on the site that shows you the percentage of time your rep is voting, how you would want him or her to vote. And so I can look at my scorecard as you know a before an election and see that my rep is representing me 30% of the time or 80% of the time, whatever that number is. And I think that the nuance here is that this is especially powerful in primary elections. Because we are in a current situation where I think politics is very polarized. And so I definitely think that, um, you know, post this this election that we're all focused on right now, um, you know, just for 2021, I would plant that seed in everyone's ear to make a note of when your primary elections are and please vote in primary elections. I asked Maria what part of the issue voter platform she believed had the greatest value to users. Was it civic involvement that spans 365 days a year? Was it providing unbiased details about the issues that matter most to voters? Was it having voters contact their reps? Was it all the above or something else altogether? It's a nonpartisan nonprofit. Um, and, you know, free public service, the impact piece is really, really important to us. It's not just something where we're a poll to sell your data. We're not, you know, just tracking our clicks and number of new users. So the impact that I'm really proud of is that not only are people on issue voters sending upwards of, you know, 20 opinions a year to their reps, but they're also, I think, changing their um, habits around civic engagement. So, for example... Um, we we saw that 30% of people using Issue Voter were motivated to vote in the first place in the 2018 midterms. So yeah, in other words, people you know wouldn't have voted without it. We've seen that 59% of our users said that they took another form of civic action, which we defined as registering to vote, volunteering, or joining a town hall. Um, 94% of our users said that they've seen issues for the first time via Issue Voter alerts, and 47% have said they've been exposed to new viewpoints. Meaning I've had people tell me uh, before issue voter, I didn't even know there could be another side to this issue. So that's also very um, kind of very interesting and and exciting. But we also are embarking on doing an academic study with researchers at universities to actually experiment with does the fact that engaging between elections drive voter turnout. Currently, Issue Voter is only in English, but Maria and her team are working to build out the program in other languages, starting with Spanish, for the 41 million native speakers in the U.S. They've also built out a free lesson plan that helps middle and high school students follow the legislative process in real time and understand the terminology like, what is a bill? And what else does Maria have up her sleeve? (laughs) Big dreams. Um, For example, we really hope to add um, text text message alerts. This will help us be able to reach individuals who don't necessarily have access to a smartphone 
or who live um, in rural areas without broadband internet. We're also looking into two things that we'd really love to do to help to better reach young people. We see, you know, future state of issue voter to be able to offer um, coverage of legislation at the state and local level. I mean, really, ultimately, like our vision is that together we can create the world we want to live in with a truly representative democracy. Humble Bragg is created and produced in cooperation with Hum Productions. Our web address is humble, H-U-M-M-B-L-E, Bragg, B-R-A-G-G, dot com. Financial support for the show is generously provided by JLB Images and listeners like you. We'd like to extend our sincerest thanks to our guests, Maria Yuen and Emma Welsh Huggins. For more information about Issue Voter and When We All Vote, we have links to them in our show notes. Both of these organizations are nonprofits and they rely on donations to keep their outreach going and their online tools up to date and engaging. Please consider a donation to one or both. Special thanks to our good friends, the internationally acclaimed and award-winning power trio, The Accidentals, for providing their new hit single, How Many Hands, for this episode. A link to their website can be found in our show notes, and their music is available on all streaming platforms. We'd also like to extend our sincerest thanks to Megan Dorsch, Head of Social Good at Visible, and Stephen Shaw, Community Engagement Director at Verizon, for helping us facilitate this incredible and heartwarming story. Visible is an arm of Verizon, and they're passionate about supporting startup nonprofit organizations through their virtual accelerator program, Visible Connect. During Issue Voters' own startup, Maria was chosen to participate in this mobile tech social growth initiative. Hum Productions is grateful to our network for suggesting stories like these. For more information about Visible Connect and Citizen Verizon, we have links in our show notes. We also have some great photos in our website's show notes that include Maria and scenes from Issue Voter and Emma working to get the vote out. We highly recommend you check them out. Our star team, Christine Murdoch, senior producer and editor. Sound engineering by Matt Wheeler. Music curation by L. Lively of Crooked Tree Creative. Norman Bauer and Lee Bechtold for digital artwork and web design and Andrew Sachs for our original music. Subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it as it helps others find us too. We would love to hear from you, so send us an email or find us on social media. Pitch us ideas about people who you think would be great to have on our show. Maybe it's even you. We'll be back soon with another extraordinary program, Everyone Has a Story, Share. I'm Brooke Bechtold. Thanks for listening.